Welcome to WTIP Outdoor News Podcast. This is Callie Hawkins. I'm Joe Fredericks. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. First of all, we should just say we're weary. It's our membership drive. So we've been talking a lot more than usual, even Callie, both on the airwaves and just planning and doing interviews and creating a lot of content. Uh, Of course, Outdoor news is so much of what we do at WTIP, but it's just a really busy time. So uh, this week's episode, if our voices sound a little more coarse or hoarse than usual, uh, we're just talking a lot during the membership drive. Yeah, I think today I I think today is five interviews today for me. So right, but I mean, I I feel like it's just been a blur since six o'clock this morning. So <laughs> right, <laughs> it's been a busy day. And the show goes on. Uh, yep. The podcast comes out every week, and we've been having so much fun putting it together. We're gonna talk this week about one particular animal species here in the WTIP listening area, wolves. Kelly, we had uh, the good fortune of having the Tofty District Ranger for Superior National Forest for the Forest Service, Ellen bogardus Shemanyak, stopped down during the membership drive. She was live on, a, on the morning show and shared some Troubling, I think it's fair to say. I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah, It's uh, it's definitely of concern. Right. Uh, Some information that has taken place near the Sawbill Trail this summer in 2022, where people were feeding wolves, and it's led to some other encounters where wolves were then coming close to other humans thinking, hey, this person fed me. I now associate humans with food. Mm -hmm. So the Forest Service has had to close down a backcountry site. It's not in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness, but it's near there. It's dispersed camping on Superior National Forest, which is legal, but it's uh, it's this has been an issue now, and, and no connection to you in this realm. We're not going to go down that road, Kelly, and your, conne- <laughs> your family connections to World's Best Donuts and Grand Marais, but people were feeding donuts. That's what Ellen was telling us on... Yeah, it's an odd thing to, to pick, but must have been handy. They must have had just come back from breakfast or something and had some some spares in their pocket or I'm not sure what was going on, but yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a bizarre story. And I think it's also safe to say in our assumption that we this is a troubling kind of strange story that uh, wildlife officials from Grand Portage to the Forest Service to the DNR that we've spoken about are at best shaking their heads on the behavior of the people who did this, mm-hmm. uh, probably more accurately to say they're they're quite agitated about it. Yeah. And I mean, growing up in Grand Marais and in Cook County here, I've, I always hear stories usually each year of people feeding wildlife. It's more bears specific, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I get that the idea of it might be good. I can see that from viewpoints of people that might not be accustomed to, to wild animals. Um, but the unfortunate thing is that it, it does have a negative aspect to that, to that wildlife and to the lifespan of that wild of that wildlife animal, and right. it's it's such a it's an unfortunate thing to hear about and to see, and uh, yeah. So we'll right. You know, Ellen, as she was leaving the radio station that morning, I was chatting with her in the parking lot before she got in her car and drove away, and she said, "Joe, it equates to this. Think of it this way. This is a much more common thing that happens all the time." The families feeding the little red squirrel or chipmunk at the campsite. Oh, look at this. This is such a fun little thing. And they're feeding it anything. Mm-hmm. And then it bites the kid, their their little kid at the campsite, their five-year-old, whatever it might be. And then it's, ow, ow, that hurt. Look at this. And then it's, darn you, animal, where's the BB gun? Yeah. That's what how Ellen described it. It's the exact same thing that's happening with these wolves. Yep, exactly. It's it's not the animal's fault, you know. It's mm-hmm. It's put in a situation 
leads to exactly it's demise unfortunately it's not good for anything to to do this type of stuff and in fact uh callie let's just hear part of our conversation from uh, wtip with the tofty district ranger for superior national forest for the u.s forest service ellen bogardis shamaynak some news from the sawbill trail Uh, evidently there's been some issues with people leaving food or actually attempting to feed wolves now this is a story (laughs) typically people would think i'm gonna go bears in that direction wolves now now people are going for wolves yeah um we've had an issue and um we're dealing with it right now in terms of closing off an area for dispersed camping but seems that folks have been um this year leaving food out for wolves or throwing food at a wolf or an area where they saw a wolf go through and of course wolves being smart canines that they are like ooh food sustenance mm-hmm. we're going to eat and um that has created a uh, problem where humans show up um camping and then wolves start walking through the campsite or close to the campsite not through the campsite mm-hmm. so um we what i did and it's up um in the old CCC camp area, so basically the Sawbill Trail where the grade crosses it, yep. um, there's a little dispersed campsite that is wonderful, and I'm not, please, don't go camping there. We have it uh, barricaded off with signs that say wildlife issue, please no camping. Um, what we're trying to do is not have people camp there and not have wolves go, oh, uh, two months ago I got fed, I'm going to come back. And take a look at this. And it's just like bear issues where we try to make sure that the humans understand that you do not want to attract bears. Um, when wildlife gets habituated to humans, the wildlife um, tends to be the people, the the entity that gets punished, yes. basically. It's not the humans. And so with this wolf pack that's been there for years and years and years, um, you tend to see them. You know, when you're when you're driving up to the uh, outfitters up there, mm-hmm. um, we want them to stay intact. We don't want to have to do anything to that pack. So we're trying to um, manage the humans right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> please. So I my plea is whether you're out for the afternoon and you're picnicking or you're camping, I don't care where you are on state land, federal land, doesn't really matter in your backyard. Don't feed wild animals just don't it just is the wrong thing to do it sounds like these wolves were becoming habituated in a sense of coming in or near people's campsites after they had been fed yeah yeah so it's well and think about that i have food uh, you know i'm a wild animal i have to work hard for my food right um so here's an easy source of food so why not go to the easy source of food and that right there they're equating humans give me food. And it doesn't matter if it's a human that does give them food or a human that doesn't want to see them or is afraid of them. Um, so they're not acting like wild animals. They're in perfectly good health. Um, I do recall um, in when this information was coming, one of the comments was, well, the wolves look hungry. Well, remember, wolves are wild animals and they are always hungry, but they're not starving. And um, unlike how we treat our pets, you know, you do see 
ribs on mm-hmm. wild animals, and that's perfectly fine. Coming from a person I used to have sled dogs, my dogs mm-hmm. were in good health, mm-hmm. and you saw ribs. That's fine. Um, but yeah, don't don't feed the okay. bears, don't feed the wolves, don't feed the loons, don't feed right <laughs> any of that. Ellen, this is a fascinating thing happening with these wolves. And what? How did you become aware of this? How did the Forest Service, the DNR, whatever agency was the lead on this? How did you become aware of the fact? that these wolves were being fed, and what type of food are we talking about here? Well, um, I actually saw it on social media, mm-hmm. and I was watching the the video that had been posted, and uh, I just sat there and went, what, what, wait, wait, that's on the Sunbill Trail. You know, it sort of dawned on me where they were. Um, uh, so, and there were other people at the same time that saw it on social media, so um, we contacted um, our wildlife biologists, the DNR, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of folks that got together and, you know, said, well, what can we do about it? And it, the nice thing is, is where this had been videoed, um, we could put up little barricade signs and information signs that just ask people to stay away. And I will tell you, typically, um, you know, we have to check those daily and typically they disappear and people have it. And it, I'm really appreciative that people are being very respectful to that area and not moving, you know, destroying our barricades and ripping up the signs and, and camping anyway. So mm-hmm. saw it on social media and yes, indeed, um, people were talking about, Oh, I threw them donuts. Donuts, wolves <laughs> donuts. eating donuts. Yeah. Well, you know, if you guys have dogs, dogs will eat anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, or whatever food that they had. And, um, and it, it apparently in the, the background, other people knew that had been happening, happening for a while. So, um, like I said, the DNR and the Forest Service got together and just, you know, following the the uh, specialists and the experts in the DNR and the Forest Service, it's like, well, let's just move the people out of the way and let's get those uh, wolves to go back and find whatever else they're going to eat but not human food. Okay. How long is this closure expected to be in place? Um, I wanted it through July, and it'll depend um, because there was a breeding female. And so there probably are puppies still out there. Um, it'll depend on the weather, et cetera. It might be closed through August, but um, then we'll just take the barricades down. And I know now people are going to be driving up the Sawbill Trail going, where is it? Where is it? There are barricades there, and we're just, just please don't camp, don't picnic, don't do anything. Just let the let the wolves hang out. Because the, the, the territory is really huge. So they have plenty of opportunity to go find someplace else to hang in and uh, find some food. So that was our conversation on WTIP with the Tofty District Ranger for the U.S. Forest Service, Ellen Bogardi Shimanya, talking about the situation with the closure of a dispersed camping area near the Sawbill Trail uh, that's still closed now in early July, moving in toward the middle of July now. Uh, Ellen said that it's certainly going to be closed through the end of the month and potentially through August. So we'll keep you informed here on the podcast about that area, but Really encouraging people just to stay away, leave those wolves alone, and definitely do not feed those wolves or any wildlife on Superior National Forest or anywhere in the North Shore area. Yeah, always safe safe to say to keep a, a safe distance from animals. You know, whether you're taking a photo, whether you're recreating in the outdoors, you know, it's just respect wildlife and, and don't get involved as much and as nice and as pretty as they are at 
Exactly. Exactly. Now, Callie, you let's stick with wolves. You've had some yeah. conversations this week as well uh, with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Yeah, I spoke to Dan Stark this morning, acting wildlife operations manager with the Minnesota DNR, and we kind of touched base on just the updated wolf management plan. It was um, last updated in 2001, and so they have come together to update it. The process started quite a few years ago and has been slowly moving forward. And in 2020, the DNR and a group of people kind of put together this 20-member committee, essentially a wolf advisory committee. And it was made up of a a diverse group of people from tribal members to government agencies to state agencies to ranchers and and pro-wolf people and anti-wolf people and hunters. And so just a, a wide group of people. And so it's 20 people that with different perspectives and different viewpoints and trying to reach some middle ground and, and put that all into the the updated wolf management plan. So mm-hmm. it sounds like from what Dan said, a pretty good process and it's coming to a close right now. Um, public comment period is open until August 8th and then a webinar will be held on July 13th. Right. Coming up quick. Yeah. Uh, let's just hear a clip from your conversation with Dan Stark for the DNR. And in regards to the wolf management plan, the DNR is, is currently updating the plan. And can you share what the DNR is hoping to accomplish by updating the plan? It's been since 2001 and kind of how the process has been so far. Yeah, the, the purpose for this project was to assess and update information in the 2001 wolf, wolf plan. Based on the new information that we have about wolves that's been collected over the past 20 years, uh, that reflects current public attitudes and, and preferences and continues to support a, a healthy wolf population. The draft plan reflects uh, current information about wolves and the input that's been gathered through public attitude surveys, tribal engagement, public engagement, and a team of technical experts and uh, an advisory committee that all provided input and reviewed the draft. Some of the components of the the plan include, or the project have included tribal engagement, and we've, we had early involvement, including tribal staff on our technical committee and advisory committee in consultation with tribal leaders. Um, our technical committee is made up of wolf managers and researchers in the state to provide guidance on population concerns, recommendations for monitoring, and evaluating those management options. You know, there are things that are consistent with the 2001 plan, and and we continue to support a healthy wolf population. We have a minimum population threshold of at least 1,600 wolves, which is consistent with the previous plan. And then we continue with our kind of comprehensive wolf population monitoring and collaboration on research to inform wolf management and then we also support, you know, the, the directed wolf control program that that's in place to address conflicts. Um, but some of the key changes, I think, are there's, you know, an emphasis on tribal and public perspectives and, and the roles in wolf conservation and management. We hope to establish an ongoing technical advisory committee to inform and make recommendations on on wolf population monitoring and and any management actions that we might be considering changing. And then we've clarified our population objectives and provide a better understanding of what 
management direction or options are available based on those different population thresholds. And then we're also making a recommendation that we have a statewide approach to wolf depredation conflicts. Um, Currently, the state is separated by two different zones, and that sometimes makes it confusing for, for people that live on one side of the line and, you know, why they can't take the same action as somebody else on the other side of the lines. And then finally, it's more transparent in providing information on how the department will make a decision and what information will inform that decision on a wolf season compared to the previous plan. So I think those are kind of the key points and key changes in the, the draft compared to you know what's been in place for the last 20 years. Yeah, interesting. We'll be following that, Kelly, the, both the webinar on the 13th and then the, the process through the public comment period until early August, August 8th. And uh, just a lot of discussion right now around the WTAP listening area about wolves. Uh, actually, on next week's episode, we're going to hear from Seth Moore and EJ Isaac, biologists for the Grand Portage Band of Lake Superior, Chippewa. Uh, they talk about wolves, a recent conversation we had with them. Uh, we're going to hear some highlights from that conversation next episode as well. So wolves, I we usually hear a lot about wolves during the winter, it seems like, or, or other times of year, not necessarily the the trenches of summer or the peak of summer, but they've made some news lately here on the North Shore. We do have... Yeah, uh, they certainly have. Yeah, we've got uh, a lot more on our website, WTIP.org. As always, thanks so much for listening to the Outdoor News Podcast. We're cruising along. We're going to be going out with uh, on Lake Superior with some fishery staff coming up. And, and as I said, hearing from the biologists in Grand Portage. So uh, thanks for supporting WTIP and this podcast. <laughs>